Good to see everybody this evening. Very thankful for the presence of all that are out. Very impressive day to see the hard work the young folks put in today and the, the singing instruction and certainly their, their learning. And I'll tell you, I think I had the best seat in the house tonight. I purposely sat up here in the front row so I could listen to all their voices. And you guys are singing excellent. It was wonderful to be here and, and to hear that. We're going to continue, as is announced, the study of exercising yourself to godliness after establishing yesterday the need to do that and showing what our motive and our goal in that should be and then Sunday afternoon looking more at some of the tools if you might have seen say the attitudes beginning tonight and over the next several nights we're going to look at some specific areas that we ought to exercise ourselves to godliness I want to begin here as you see on the board behind you with the mind I want to talk about exercising your mind towards godliness, towards holiness, towards righteousness. You know, if you stop and think about the mind, not the organ, the brain that's in your head, but the mind, the center of who you are, where your thoughts come from, it's really an amazing, amazing thing. You hear people all the time talk about the brain being a supercomputer, and they want to compare computers to, to the brain. And if you're honest about it, there's some things that computer can process faster than the human brain can. It can be programmed to do simple, straightforward tasks a lot quicker than mankind can. It can do complicated mathematics a lot quicker than our minds can do. Uh, I don't know if anybody's ever sat down and actually tried to challenge themselves to outdo that. I don't know if they could or not. But one thing I know a computer can never do that separates your mind from any computer is a computer can never know God. He can never understand it. We can take a computer and we can put all the words in the Bible in there and it can link words together and it can find words and a lot of us use the computer today to do research and study the Bible but that computer itself can never know God and be known by God. You have a mind that can do that. It's the most amazing thing about you that separates you from all of creation. Notice if you will here 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 16 the Bible says for who hath known the mind of God that we may instruct him but we have the mind of Christ. I want you to stop and just contemplate for a minute the magnitude of that statement there that we have the mind of Christ. We know not just what God said, but we can understand it. We can put it into our lives and we can be impacted by it. He's saying here, listen, there's none of us that are smart enough to teach God that we can be his instructor, but we have the mind of Christ that we can know God, be known by God, we can understand his will for us and begin to apply those things to our lives. It's an amazing principle when you stop and think about what all the human brain can do. We spent a little time this morning in our study talking just a little bit about the power of the brain to uh, associate past memories, how just a sound, a song can bring back memories just in a heartbeat. I was thinking a little bit more about that this afternoon and I kind of made myself laugh. There's a smell that my wife abhors. It's the smell of a skunk. If she smells it, if you've been driving down the road, and you can always tell when someone's run over a skunk, you can smell that. And every time we do that, when my wife's in the car, she kind of starts to gag a little bit. And it doesn't do that. I'm not telling you I like the smell of a skunk, but it doesn't cause me to gag. And what it does cause me is to flash back instantly to being a teenager in Mora, New Mexico. Out there where I grew up, we had a, a cabin in Mora, New Mexico. And every time we went to the cabin to spend time there, the first thing all the boys had to do was run in there and stomp on the floor and chase all the skunks out of the building. And they didn't leave happy, and they kind of sprayed the place. And the whole time we were there, that smell was there. And we, we complained and griped and hated it, but a lot of great memories were there. And so every time I smell that, even though I hadn't thought of it in years, it comes flying back. That's the power of the brain, the power of the mind that you have to be able to do those things and to learn and to know God. And 
the problem, the disconnect is, is we have Christians that don't always think as a Christian. Notice, if you will, Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. The Bible says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. That heart there, the center of who you are, the thinking, the mind, is what it's talking about. And he's saying, Keep that with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And probably the greatest tragedy that we see is Christians that won't think like a Christian, that don't think any different than the world round about them thinks. We're not talking about thinking about different things, and it's something I want you to get from this lesson tonight. We're not just talking about thinking about different things, but learning to think differently, to not think like the world, to have the mind of Christ be the guiding force in your life that helps push you on to exercise yourself to godliness. It begins by exercising your mind to godliness. This is why this matters. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7 says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat, drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. Again, in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 18, Jesus says, But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile the man. And at the end of the day, my heart is the guiding factor in my life. That inner thought process, that inner voice that as I'm going through the day that I'm having that conversation with where I'm making those decisions, that's the guiding factor. And the reality is, is as that guides me, I can for a while act differently than what's truly in my heart and my mind. It's called being a hypocrite. It's wearing a mask and pretending to be one thing when I'm actually another. But the problem with that is is that mask eventually is going to come off and you're going to be exposed. What's inside is eventually going to be seen. You may be quick and pick the mask back up and pretend it didn't happen. You might get real good at wearing the mask, but eventually that's going to betray you because it's what's in the heart that's going to eventually come out of your mouth. That's what Jesus says. He says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And it has a lot to do with how you conduct yourself in this life boils down to this idea of how you have learned to think about things. Even if you're talking about a learned behavior, a learned response, something that you don't think about learning to do. I'm not talking about breathing or, or and think, blinking your eyes. I'm talking about purposeful responses that just become automatic. Think of it this way, if you will. The idea of a, uh, an NF, NFL lineman, if you will. Those guys are trained athletes, and they spend hours upon hours upon hours learning how that their body ought to react. If the defensive lineman shifts one way or takes a step this way, well, as soon as they see that, they spend hours practicing that, understanding that technique so that they don't have to process it. They just react to it. Those are learned behaviors that are, come from study and come from planting that deep in their mind. And I'll tell you how we conduct ourselves through our life. A lot of times the reactions that we have to things that are just instantaneously that we didn't have to think about what to say or think about how to respond are learned behaviors that we've learned over a pattern of time where we just kept saying and doing the same thing and saying and doing the same thing and saying and doing the same thing. And it suddenly it just became a pattern, the response. You know, I've got one of those patterns that I stole from Truman Teal years ago. And it just comes out at times without I don't even think to say it. Someone will ask me, offer me something, like you want a cup of coffee? And without even thinking anymore, I'll say, no thanks, I'm a Christian. Just to things like that. And it just randomly comes out. I don't think, oh, I should say that now. It just kind of happens because it's become a learned pattern. And we do that all the time. And understanding what we're talking about here is tonight is learning to exercise our mind towards godliness. Take control of it so that our thinking that directs our lives then becomes the kind of thinking that God would have us to do. Notice, if you will, Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse 14 here, this word vain. 
God tells Jerusalem, he says, Wash thine heart from wickedness, O thou, that thou mayest be saved. How long shall thy vain thoughts lodge within thee? One of the problems, the wickedness of Jerusalem was their vain thoughts. What's interesting about this word vain here, typically we think vain means empty or useless. In this particular place, vain doesn't mean empty or useless, but it carries the idea to pant or to exert oneself typically or usually in vain to come to naught. He's saying you're putting all these efforts into how you're thinking and they're you're exerting your brain, you're exerting your thinking, and all it's doing is leading you to wickedness. He says, why are you going to keep doing that? Put those things away. Can you imagine trying to bring your body under control as a Christian, trying to do the things with your body that God called you to do, but the thinking never changes? You're going to struggle. Until that thinking really fundamentally changes about how you see life, then you're going to continue to struggle as a Christian. God tells us exactly what he wants us to think about. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, the Bible says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are lovely, or pardon me, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Engage the mind on these kind of things and learn to think about these things. What sense does it make to exercise yourself to godliness if there's not going to be a change at the very fundamental level that dictates how you live life? If there's not going to be a change in thinking, then you're going to end up fighting battles and losing a lot of battles. It begins with changing how I approach and how I think about things. This supercomputer, if you will, your thought process can be programmed to God. Not just to know things, but to process them to understand them and to relate them. Listen, there's a lot of people in the world today that aren't Christians, that don't pretend to be Christians, that can take your Bible and they can quote Scripture to you. And they think they're doing it to try to disprove God. And they're doing it for academic reasons. They don't know this Scripture. They know it. They can quote it. But they don't understand it. They don't think through it. And God called you and I to think differently. And that's what I want us to understand is what we're called to is to think differently. Not just think about different things. In this passage in Philippians 4 and 8, he gives us things to think about. But what that's supposed to produce in us is a different way of thinking. Notice, if you will, Romans chapter 12. We referenced yesterday verse 1, what talked about becoming a living sacrifice. He goes on and talks about part of that sacrifice comes about by not conforming ourselves to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Making your mind new. Not just thinking about different things, but having a new mind. Having a mind that's been made new that works and functions and thinks differently than it was before. Ephesians chapter 4, this concept is tied to exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about exercising yourself towards godliness. Notice, if you will, he starts in verse 22 by saying that you put off these other things concerning that former man, the, the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt. And so I'm supposed to put that away and put on this new man, which he says is after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. But in between all that is the idea of being renewed in the spirit of your mind. Having a different mind, not the same mind that chooses to think about different things, but a mind now that thinks differently, that thinks the way God wants it to think. That I no longer think through the lens of sin... But now I think through the lens of God. We have, he says, the mind of Christ. In fact, just a, a few verses before this in verse 20, he had started this section off by talking about the Gentiles, those ungodly people saying, listen, you know how they walk. You know how they live. 
He said, you ought not to be that way. Why? Because you have not learned Christ. That's not what you learned. You've learned something totally different. You learned Christ, and that is to learn to put off and to put on and to have a new mind in how you see those things. How I interact with this world is no longer just about what I want in my flesh, but now it's through the lens of Christ. It's through the lens of eternity. Notice that God isn't asking you to do this all by yourself and alone, but he gives us a weapon. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning there in verse 3, the Bible says, For though we walk, after, walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Notice again, he said, the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God. It's not about mental tactics. It's not about tricks that I can learn. It's not about putting a rubber band on my wrist and every time I think about something I ought not to pop in that wrist. That's a lot of physical things and there's a lot of self-help books out there that can try to help you change. But at their fundamental level, at the core, they can't cause you to have a new mind, a renewed mind. The weapons that we need are mighty and they're powerful through God. And God has equipped us with that to the pulling down, he says, of strongholds. These strongholds, that word just means a castle or a fortified position. And in context of what we're talking about, the strongholds are all those patterns of thinking that you've developed over your life that are outside of God's desire for you that you think about the flesh, that you think about this world, that you are enticed by sin. He says, listen, I've got a tool for you that's strong, that will pull down, it will destroy those strongholds. There is a way for you to learn to think differently. Now, it's not going to be easy for any of us to learn to think that way. It's going to take godly exercise. It's going to take us putting in that holy sweat to learn to think differently and to think about different things. That's not something that will be easy, but notice what he said that happens when we do this. He said this weapon that we have that will pull down strongholds is casting down imaginations. Now, I want to highlight this word imaginations here or the whole process because the same word that's translated here as imagination is the same word that was used back in Philippians chapter 4 where he said, if there be any of these things, think on them. Notice he's saying, listen, there are some thoughts that you have, some ways of thinking that have become a stronghold that are not in line with what I told you to think and how I told you to think, and I can give you the tools to pull that stronghold down. I can give you the resources, mighty through God, that would help you become the kind of person that I've, caught, I've asked you to be. And so what we're talking about is renewing the mind and learning to think differently. So how do I renew my mind? How do I learn to think differently? Number one, in the same verse that we were just at here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, he tells us not only is it about these strongholds and casting them down, he begins the process of explaining to us of how we can do that. Number one, bringing into captivity every thought. That means I'm responsible for what I think about. The idea of the word captivity there is to arrest. And I need to be responsible for my thoughts. I want to tell you right now, you can't stop at times what comes into your mind. We just talked about the power of the mind, a sound, a song, a scent that can bring memories back. But you can make the decision on whether or not you're going to dwell on it and think about it and revel in it and stay there and let your mind continue to lift, look after it. You know, all of us, 
live in a home. We've been blessed to have nice homes in this country. Suppose that you were standing in your home or sitting in your favorite chair one day and you have a law officer sitting in the home with you and you're visiting. And all of a sudden a burglar breaks in. Are you just going to step back and go, no, no, sit down, don't arrest him. Let him let's see where he goes. No, you're not going to do that. You're going to look at the officer and say, hey, arrest him, stop him, seize him, get him under control, get him to stop doing what he's doing. That's the very idea here of bringing him to captivity, of arresting your thoughts, of being responsible for them and saying it's, it's about decisions that I make. It's not easy. Obviously, it's a lot easier just to sit back and blame other people, to say the situation was beyond my control. But what holy sweat, what exercising yourself towards godliness means is that I stop making those excuses and I start taking responsibility for the thoughts that go through my mind. That I arrest them, I seize them, and I don't allow myself to think on those things. It demands that I be responsible, not because I have the ability to stop a thought from entering my mind, but I do have the ability to decide how long I'm going to let it stay there. And that's what God has called you to, to bring every thought into captivity. Notice, if you will, what he tells us to do here in Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. He says, If then you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of the throne of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things this earth. That phrase, set your affection, that word set there, literally means this idea of exercising the mind. God has called you to exercise your mind. He says, if you've been risen with Christ, if you died and were buried and rose again, he's talking about salvation. He said, if that's where you're at, if that's who you are, then you need to set your mind. You need to exercise your mind on things above. Learn to think through heaven. Learn to think about heaven. Learn to contemplate that and look at life through the lens of eternity. You know, the truth is, and I think any of us would admit this, when we sit down and really contemplate the times in my life that I've struggled and fallen to sin, I wasn't thinking about God. I wasn't thinking about eternity. I wasn't thinking about heaven. My mind wasn't set, wasn't exercised to things above. Most likely I was thinking about my flesh. I was thinking about quick pleasure. Or I just simply wasn't thinking at all. I was just kind of responding. And I hadn't trained myself to respond the right way yet. And so what God requires of us to learn to think differently is, first off, is to be, I'm responsible for my thoughts. I'm responsible for the way I think about things. So I'm not going to let these thoughts that aren't supposed to be there dwell in my mind and stay in my mind. Instead, I'm going to bring into captivity those thoughts that ought not to be there. And instead of that, I'm going to take that off and I'm going to replace that with purposed thinking about things above, about heaven, about God, about righteousness, about holiness. Thinking about those things changes the situation dramatically. So if I want a new mind, it begins with this process and it moves on into removing not just the negative thoughts, but the negative influences that would lead me to think on those things. I don't need to listen to and watch and put into my mind the kind of information that's going to cause me to think in a negative way, to think about ungodly things. The Bible teaches in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 33 that be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. I don't care how strong you think you are, how 
invulnerable you are to influence. I want to tell you, it's true of every one of us. We begin to behave like the people we hang around with, around the sayings that we hear. Marketing companies spend millions and millions of dollars every year to come up with catchphrases that they try to get popular, that they try to get everybody saying. Why? Because they know they can make money off of it. If you don't think people are influenced by words and phrases and it changes how they think, I know one of the phrases my kids have taught me in the last couple of years is the phrase fam. That's short for family. You don't have to say the whole word now. It's, I don't know if it comes around from texting, but fam. How you doing today, fam? Good to see you, fam. That's popular, and it's raging. Well, why? Because we're all influenced by that, aren't we? You know, all you adults that haven't heard that before, you know tonight before you go to bed, you're going to use the term fam at some point. That's just the way life works. Years ago, Michael, I don't know if you still do this or not, but years ago, Michael liked the word listen a whole lot. He loved the word listen. It was in every sermon he preached. He would go along and go, listen, what God has to say to you is this, and listen the way you're supposed to do. He would talk about that in casual conversation. Listen, I'll tell you why Dr. Pepper with peanuts is better than Coke. It was just, he would start a sentence that way, he would be in the middle of the sentence, and it would be at the end of the sentence. The reason I know this and remember this is because when I ran around with him, I picked up the habit of saying, listen. And my wife corrected it pretty quick. <laughs> She said, listen, you're not Mike McCorkle. So, I tell that story not to pick on Mike, not to say that he's an evil communication. That wasn't the point of that. The point is to get us to understand that we're influenced by the things and the people and the, that we're around, that we listen to. And if we're going to arrest our thoughts and capture our thoughts and not think on those things, but instead think on righteousness and holy, things that are lovely and of good report, then we need to think about the types of choices we make to what we're allowing to be around us and influence our thinking process. I'm not talking about going out of the world and never being around anybody in the world. That's certainly not possible. The Bible says that if we did that, we couldn't have any influence to evangelize. But being purposeful in what I choose to listen to and what I choose to think about and those things that aren't good for me, I'm not going to purposefully put in my mind for pleasure's sake. And that's the difference that we're talking about. And someone says, wait a second, don't you know that I can do these things? These things aren't sinful that we're talking about, and you're right. The Bible says all things are lawful for me, but not all things are expedient. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. The reality is, is there's some things in this life that aren't good for me. They're not what I need. They're not going to strengthen me. They're not going to be building me up, and they're not going to profit me. Expedient means profit. Edify means build up. And if I purposely choose to put those things in my mind and instead of putting righteousness, holiness, godliness, eternity in my mind, guess where my thinking's going to go? You know, it's easy to have the right thinking in favorable situations. When everybody's around, when I know I'm being watched. It's difficult to have the right thinking when the pressure's on. When nobody's watching... And I think, you know, if I don't do the right thing here, nobody's going to know it. When I might not have time to even stop and think about how I'm going to respond, it's just the pressure's on and I've got to respond instantly. And if I've not trained myself, I've not exercised myself to think godly, I'm going to fail that. 
I'm not going to be the person in that situation that God has called me to be. God calls me to exercise my mind to godliness, to become the kind of person that he wants me to be. And do that at times requires radical amputation. Notice, if you will, Matthew 5 and verse 29, what Jesus taught here. He says, if your right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it's profitable, it's better for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Jesus isn't talking about a literal plucking out of the eye. He's teaching a principle about cutting out of your life even things that are painful, even things that you think you need. He said it's better to do without them in this life and receive heaven than to keep those things and lose eternity in, of heaven. That's the kind of discipleship I need to have. That's the kind of commitment to this exercise program I need to have that I'm going to put down those things that I don't need that are a distraction to me. We used the illustration yesterday of the Oreo cookies, and I think it fits right here just as well. You know, in any balanced diet, it's not wrong to have an Oreo cookie. All things in moderation. Having one Oreo cookie a day isn't going to cause you to be unhealthy. But it may be that you're like me and just can't eat one Oreo cookie. I'm going to eat the whole bag. So what I need to do is cast it from me. Never open the bag, never grab the first cookie. That same principle goes to what we're talking about of removing negative influences that are going to impact the way I think. I need to get those out of my life. People, places, and things. Radio, TV, books, all those things that are influencing on me, I need to make a, a radical decision about how God wants me to use those things so that they're not influencing me to think after the flesh, but instead my mind is learning to think differently, to think through the lens of God, through the lens of Christ and eternity. And that's where this step comes in. I can remove that stuff, remove those influences, but at the same time I have to input God's Word into my life. Listen, you can't, there it is right there. See, I just did it. Listen, it's already come back to me. You can't think as a Christian if you don't know God's Word. That's just a reality. There's no way possible for you to look at this life through the lens of eternity, through the mind of Christ, if you don't know what that mind is. David said it this way in Psalms 119, beginning there in verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Down in verse 15, he says, I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. Notice the tie between the two. Listen, your word is in my heart, and that impacts how I live day by day so that I don't sin. In verse 15, I'm going to meditate on your precepts, on your word, and it's going to cause me to have respect to your ways. Those things are intricately tied together because it's how you think is how you're going to live life. And that's exactly what we need to do is not have the negative influences in our life, but rather the positive influences to look at God's Word, to have it in who I am, that when I make a decision, it's there. That I, when I decide how I'm going to conduct myself, it's based off principles from God's Word. I'm not talking about having book, every book, chapter, and verse memorized, but I am talking about knowing God's Word enough that it impacts how you think. And as long as we're there... I think you ought to memorize God's Word. Romans chapter 8 and verse 6 says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. The reality is, is every one of us can memorize God's Word. I hear people say all the time, Oh, I'm not good at memorization. I can't do that. I want to tell you, I think you're a liar. You can. And I'll prove to you how you can learn God's Word. 
Every one of us in this room knows somebody that became an expert on some disease at some point in their life. Suddenly, without ever going to medical school, without a degree, without ever taking a class of medicine in their life, they suddenly know the, all the names of the cancer treatment drugs and which cancer treatments and what the side effects are and what to look for and dietary habits. And, and they become an expert on a certain type of cancer. Not every cancer, but a certain type of cancer. How do they do that? Why would they do that? Because somebody they love came down with that cancer. And suddenly it matters to them to know the answers to these things. I'll tell you, it's not any different when it comes to memorizing God's Word. You can do it if you want to. If it's important enough to you to be spiritually minded, to think through the lens of Christ, if you're willing to put in the holy sweat, the discipleship, you can memorize God's Word. It might not be that you can start off and memorize an entire book. It might be enough for you to start off and memorize just four or five words a day. But you can memorize four or five words a day. You can take step by step and build yourself up. I don't know a lot of people that run marathons. I know Jordan Dancer. Some of you all know him up in uh, Norman, Oklahoma. Great young man. Loves to run. He runs for no real reason just because he says it's fun. At least he tries to convince me it's fun. But he likes to run. He gets up every morning and he runs five miles and he tells me, if I don't run, I don't feel good. If you talk to Jordan, he'll tell you he didn't just wake up one morning and go, you know, I think I'll run five miles, never having done it before. He can run marathons and he's been invited to run on professional teams and they've done well. He didn't just start off there. It began by going, you know what, I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to go for a jog. I'm going to go a little bit further today than I went yesterday. I'm going to push myself a little bit harder than I pushed myself. He put in the work. He put in the exercise. And he trained himself to run a marathon. You can train yourself to be spiritually minded by purposefully putting God's Word into your mind, by disciplining yourself, not just this week. Listen, you guys, I think it's wonderful you all memorizing 1 Timothy. I think that's great. I love the competition. love the idea of the competition. I, I, I've never seen the trophy. I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what it looks like. I think that's great. But you need to keep doing this when you go back home. You need to start today, and when you get back home, keep memorizing Scripture, even if Mike McCorkle isn't there to torment and torture you when you mess it up. <laughs> you need to keep memorizing Scripture for your benefit, that you learn to think the way God wants you to think, that you have a spiritual mind. Notice the idea of meditation in Psalms 197. We're going to talk a lot more about this, I believe, on Friday or Saturday night. But the Bible says, oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. I meditate. How can you meditate on the law of God, on the word of God all day long if you don't know it? Someone says, well, I can take my Bible around. And yeah, you can, but that's not the idea that he has here. The idea is that it's in his mind already that he can think on it, that he can ruminate on it. He goes on to say, through the... Thou through thy commandments hast made me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for my te thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep thy precepts. Notice he's talking about how knowing God's word and being familiar with God's word, that he can meditate on it, he can think about it, how that directs his life that it became part of it that made him wiser than his enemies, that made him know more than the ancients. He thought differently. And that's exactly what God wants you and I to learn to do, is to think differently, not to think about this world and to think of things through this world, 
but to think of things through the lens of eternity, through the lens of the mind of Christ. You start doing that, and you'll see your life change. It begins with having God's Word in your mind by purposely getting rid of those things that are influencing me for the wrong, taking responsibility for my thoughts. That'll cause me to think differently. Last thing I want to share with you about learning to think differently is a little bit of a different idea, but I think it's related to all these things, and that's simply that I learned to serve other people. You know, when my thinking is wrong, a lot of times it's because I'm thinking about my flesh, what I want, the pride of my life, and I'm not thinking about other people. But learning to be a servant requires me to think of the needs of other people. Notice, if you will, here Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 3. It says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He tells us to start off there. He says, listen, to avoid all these problems of vainglory, to cause all these conflicts of selfishness, and that's really the idea behind vainglory. He says, to avoid that strife and that selfishness, you need to have a humble picture of who you are and learn to serve other people. Learn to think about their needs. Look not every man on his own thing, but look on the things of others. And here's how important this is. He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, came to this earth not to be served, but to serve people. And he did that. You and I can learn to think the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. How do I get that? Esteem others better than myself. Look to the needs of others. Start thinking about what other people need. You know, it's awful hard to be a godly individual when all I'm doing is looking out for number one. It's hard to be holy when my biggest concern and my thought process is all about me. That's not Jesus. You've not learned Christ that way. What you've learned and what he's compelled us to have is the mind of Christ. A mind that humbled himself and served other people. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You know, when I start thinking about other people, I see their needs. And I can become their servant. Of how I can benefit them and how I can be a blessing to them. Just as Christ thought of your needs. And what he could do to be a blessing to you. You know, the greatest thing that you can do for your home congregation is to go home and learn to be a servant. To serve everybody. In fact, Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 23 that the greatest among you shall be your servant. You want to do a work for God? It has nothing to do with standing behind this pulpit. It has nothing to do with who knows your name or who knows what you're doing. It has everything to do with you being a servant fellow man. Learn to think that way. Instead of thinking about my needs and what I want and my desires, what does someone else need? How can I benefit them? How can I bless them? That takes it off of my pride and puts it back into the kind of thinking that Christ had. You've learned that of Christ. You see that example in Christ. God has called us to learn to think differently. To be a servant to our fellow man is one way that I can learn to do that. The Bible says in Romans 8 and verse 14, For as many as led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Are you a son of God? Are you his child? Are you being led by his spirit? You know, part of being led by the spirit means that you think differently.
that you think through the mind of Christ. That's the Spirit leading you. He's not going to pick up your hand magically and tell you to do this. He's not going to pick up and magically direct your steps. He wants to change how you think that will change how you live. Are you being led by the Spirit in your thoughts to think of eternity, to think spiritual? Are your thoughts caught up on things of this life? One last passage in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 8. For he that soweth his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Tonight, as we conclude our study, I want to ask you what kind of thinking you're sowing today. What kind of things are you doing to sow in your thinking patterns that you're going to reap tomorrow and next week and next month? Are you sowing in the private of your life bitterness, hatred, selfishness, lust, covetousness? Those things, you'll reap them. That's what he says. Are you sowing holiness, righteousness, godliness? You know, to plant, to sow, is a labor-intensive work. It's not easy to break up the ground, to plant the seed, to water it, to tend it, to care for it. That's why God told us to exercise ourselves to godliness. Tonight, have you been doing that in your thinking? Is your thinking in line with God's thinking to learn to think differently? Or are you thinking like the world? Here in a moment, we're going to sing an invitation. If you're struggling with that and would like the prayers of the church, would like the encouragement and uplifting for the church, we stand ready to help you take your needs to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who can help you learn to think differently, to think like a Christian ought to think. If you have any spiritual need, we stand ready to be your servant and help you take that need to the one who can change you. Whether you need to come to him for the first time being baptized into eternal life with him, or you're struggling with sin, or you just need prayers for strength and encouragement. If you have any spiritual need this evening, I ask you to have a seat on either of these front pews as we stand now to sing the song that's been selected.